Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 13. I'm Bethany, your host, and today I'm joined by return guest Izzy from Happy For Now. We're going to be talking about A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass, and I'm warning you now, there will be spoilers. Wait, hold on, I have to leave. There's spoilers? <laughs> yeah, definitely spoilers. <laughs> If you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. And a big thank you to all of our patrons with a special shout out to our world-expanding patron, Trina. Your support makes this possible. Before our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I share recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance that I'm excited about, and then our guest will have an opportunity to share one as well. The books for today's episode will be released between March 17th and March 30th, 2021, with the exception of our guest recommendation, which may include any upcoming release. So first up on March 23rd, we've got two books I want to highlight. Lost in the Never Woods by Aidan Thomas, which I just finished reading. It's great. It's a dark YA contemporary retelling of Peter Pan about children going missing and a young woman dealing with grief, trauma, and repressed memories. It's very different from the first book by this author, Cemetery Boys, but I found it to be haunting and really beautifully told. So coming out March 23rd. Then The Unbroken by C.L. Clark, which I have pre-ordered because I sadly did not get an early copy of this one but it looks great. It is the first book in a new fantasy series centering LGBTQ characters. It follows a soldier sent to stop a rebellion in her homeland and a rebel leader looking for a turncoat. Then on March 30th, there are three titles I want to mention. First up, Wild Child by Eloisa James is the latest installment in a historical romance series. This one follows the wildest of the wilds, Lady Joan, who runs off in breaches to join a theater troupe, then falling for the straight-laced duke who tries to save her reputation. Then, of course, Rule of Wolves by Lee Bardugo is yet another book in the Grishaverse that's coming out. I'm really interested to see how this one is going to wrap up the always epic stories that she's telling. I'm loving her characters, and I'm definitely excited for the related Shadow and Bone show coming to Netflix in April. It's coming soon. We're all very excited. I cannot wait. I'm dying. I know. It's like the one thing I need in my life right now. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And then lastly, a book that I am currently reading and loving, uh, Careless Whispers by Sanithia Williams is the newest book in a very soapy romance series following an elite Black family in the American South. I have been waiting for this one because I love prickly heroines. This one is following the oldest sister of the family. She is both prickly and brilliant. This one is an enemies to lovers romance between Elena Robidoux and her arrogant nemesis Alex. And so far it is everything I was hoping for. So go really well. With that said, please join me in welcoming Izzy to the show. Thank you for joining me. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. I was just like, oh, yes, please, please. Let's talk about this book. I'm so happy. I was like, I need, because I haven't talked about it enough in my vlog and my review, so we're also going to do a podcast (laughs) episode. It's Sarah J. Moss. It's mandatory. I mean, you know, it's good. Um, Okay, so if you want to briefly introduce yourself to the listeners and share your pick for an exciting upcoming release. Absolutely. So I'm Izzy from Happy For Now. I was on in January, January, uh, and we talked about like book drama. I mostly talk about romance books, and I'm slowly adding in some manga content. So if you're looking for that, I'm adding that in right now as I uh, go on a marathon. (laughs) Love it. <laughs> lately. Um, I don't know. I needed to change the pace, so that's happening. Um, two. I picked two books because I could not decide, like at it. all. I was like, these both sounded <laughs> so good. They're both ones that I'm like super hyped for. One is Sweet Hand by Ng Peltier, and it comes out March 30th. And this is a kind of sounds like enemies to lovers situation where a girl uh, has to go back home for her sister's wedding. And she broke up with her, like, musician boyfriend, swore off musicians. She opens, like, a growing pastry business. And this guy comes into her life that is in the music business. And she does not (laughs) want anything to do with him. And I was just like, yes, please. This is exactly what I want. Um, So, yeah, I just think that sounds really fun. And it's set, I think, like, on an island, maybe? I don't know. It looks very tropical on the cover, and it's just making me feel warm when I look at it. Uh, And the second one I picked was Dial A for Aunties, which comes out April 27th. And this is like a 
sounds absurd, honestly, like very not rooted in reality situation where a girl ends up accidentally being involved in a murder with her blind date. Like she kills him accidentally and has to call her aunties. Um, And there's a wedding and maybe some curses and then a new love interest shows up. It just sounds, I know I was like, this sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Like give me the wackiest, most banana pants book possible. And that's what Dial A for Aunties sounds like. I love it. Awesome. Okay. So we are here to talk about A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. I don't really have a roadmap for how this is going to go, but I feel like there's a lot to talk about. (laughs) I agree. I was like, I have no idea how we're going to tackle this because there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think, okay, so maybe a place to start with this would be to talk about each of our history with Sarah J. Mass and feelings about her. Like that could be some good background information for listeners. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Why don't do you want me you... to go first or you want yes. to go first? You, go for, you can go first. Okay. Um, I've been reading Sarah J. Mass since I, I've read everything but Crescent City, whatever that one's got. I know it's not called Crescent City. Okay. It's whatever. It's, House know, of Earth and Blood. Yeah. Yeah. So I've read everything but that. And I started, I think, with her Throne of Glass books. And then I started reading Akatar, of course. And I feel like they were a big part of my, like, diving more into adult romance journey, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Even though they were mismarketed. Yeah. (laughs) Mislabeled. Yeah. I don't know. The whole mess of a situation. And I just, I really fell in love with that world. I continue to um, pick up things that are marketed to me that they are a Sarah J. Mass alike and then be very angry about it. It's like, I can't stop. I know know better. And I can't stop doing it to myself. Like every time I'm like, I know better. No, no, I don't. Still pick it up. So, yeah, I've been reading her for a long time also. Started with Throne of Glass. And I think I started reading when, like, the first three books in that series were out. Something like that. So it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also really enjoy her books. I get why they are not everybody's cup of tea because it's not like they're the most amazing literary things. But I enjoy them. So I think what was interesting for me with this is that Akatar is probably my least favorite of her series or had been. Oh, interesting. The Court of Thorns and Roses. Yeah, I just, I love the Throne of Glass series. I'm also really loving Crescent City. And Akatar was fine. I, I just like to pretend that A Court of Frost and Starlight didn't happen because I hated it. Oh, I um, unhauled that book and somebody asked me if I didn't like the series. And I said, no, that book doesn't exist in my world. No, just pretend it didn't happen. Because also then Nesta's journey is much better too. And people are less irritated. Exactly. But um, yeah, so I picked this up because I was like, I always like her books. I'll probably enjoy it. And then I ended up loving it so mm-hmm. much and was not expecting that. So I mean, she her writing, I always call it that marathonable quality, right? Like mm-hmm. you really can't just like pick up that first book. And next thing you know, you look up and you've read three books and you're like, what happened? Yeah. Where am I? Like, I mean, they're so long. I mean, this book so is, long. it's like over 700 pages. I finished it in a day. <laughs> I finished it in two. <laughs> so, yeah. I gave up my vlog. I was going to vlog it. And I was like, I'm going to be the first one out because I, I always finish the new releases in a day. Like, it just, mm-hmm. it's what I end up doing. And I was like, I, I can't stop to film. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> stopping to film. I was like, we're just finishing this. Oh, man. Yeah, it was not what I was expecting. It's definitely, it for me at least, it was a very emotional journey, which mm-hmm. I didn't I, did, did not expect. Um, I thought I would probably enjoy it because, you know, Nesta's a prickly character. I tend to really enjoy prickly heroines, finding love. It's one of same. my favorite things. I mean, I wanted to see, a big thing for me, I thought, I was like, I'm really curious to see Nesta redeemed. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's her book. She has to be redeemed. We can't leave this book not liking her. Oh, yeah. No matter how you felt about her going into it. Like, you have to, in some capacity, feel better about her by the end. Yeah. And I really, uh, I wanted to see how Sarah J. Mouse was going to handle that. Yeah. I mean, I think she did it brilliantly, right? I mean, it, yes. I just, I loved it so much. Because you really get to be in her head and you see how her trauma and her pain is causing her to lash out at other people. And mm-hmm. it's not just because she's being a jerk. I mean, I mean, she is, but like she, no, she is. I think, and it was really, it's interesting. Cause like, if you think about the first three books, like, especially that last book, mm-hmm. the sheer trauma, the three sisters have went through Elaine, Nesta and Farah, 
is like that's a lot yeah that's a lot and like none of it is addressed in that last book really no none of it is addressed in that thing that doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) that little short story we got that was disappointing um and it's this is like the first time i felt like they kind of attempted to address it head on Mm -hmm. um and I, I mean, I was curious, of course, how Sarah J. Moss would handle that because I don't know. I feel like going in a cauldron to save everyone is is a pretty big task, you know, to take on this ability to to not lose everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Nesta's kind of a badass, but she's also dealing with PTSD and depression and has so much anger, understandably. And I just loved the fact that this let her be angry and let her yes. have her feelings and take yes. whatever time she needed to to find healing. Absolutely. I loved her. I love her anger. <laughs> it sounds so bad. But I do. Like yeah. I think it's very relatable. Like how who who doesn't get mad about something and like yeah. you know maybe not get it out properly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think we often don't, aren't comfortable with women's anger. Don't let them experience it. And I think it's so important and so powerful to have a book where a character can feel those feelings and it's okay. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. Also the thing about this, a lot of it was very emotional, but the thing that made me actually cry was the female friendship. I just loved it so much. Because <laughs> she, like, you know, she becomes friends with these two women who also have been so hurt and traumatized. And then that scene with, at, during the blood rite where they, like, open up to each other about their history and their trauma. I was like, this is so beautiful. They love each other and support each other. I loved the fact that, like, we not only got Nesta being angry, but mm-hmm. we also got them also being angry and like coming together to train yeah. and be angry and work out their anger together. Mm-hmm. Cause like, let's be real. Sometimes you just got to punch something, not a person yeah. like a pillow, like a soft thing, something, you know, just to like work through some aggression. <laughs> yeah. like, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they basically ended up with the equivalent of advanced self-defense classes for women who had been through traumatic experiences, which I just think is cool. I just, I just thought in general the mental health stuff in this book was handled so well. Um, or, you know. I, the whole- were you surprised by it? Did you expect it at all? No. Okay. Because, like, I literally left the book and I was like, well, I have to tell everyone the content warnings on this book. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, absolutely no one I know is going to expect <laughs> this. And it's going to be. A- and it was a lot. Like, yeah. I did not expect the, like. I just didn't expect it. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. Do you, are you talking about like the mental health stuff or the pregnancy stuff? Or no, all, all of it. it. I mean, all, all of it, it in general, yeah. really. But like the PTSD levels, like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I don't know. For whatever reason, I wasn't expecting it in my brain when I went in. Yeah. And I was like, I feel really silly for not thinking that Nest is going to have. Yeah. I mean, issues. I guess I knew there was going to be some of it because I've seen Sarah J. Mass in live streams talk about how she was writing this while also on her own journey towards mental health and that some of that went into this book. That's really interesting. Yeah. So she, well, there's a lot of stuff actually, like during this time she was writing it, she like got into an exercise routine for the first time, was going to therapy, was getting on medication, like was dealing with her own trauma and mental health stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. And another thing that I think we can talk about that seems to be the mo- maybe the most controversial thing, which I have a lot of feelings about, but um, the fact that there's traumatic birth at the end of the book, um, yeah. <laughs> which a lot of people have a lot of feelings about. I have very strong feelings about it, but I have very me, strong feelings about it, which is probably interesting. surprising. Interesting. Okay, tell me. Tell me. I'm curious. Um, okay, so last winter like m- not a few months ago, one of my, my best friends had a traumatic miscarriage. Mm. Uh, and also I think I've said this before other places. Like I, I don't, I don't know a single woman who's had a baby in the last like four years that hasn't had a traumatic birth. And I'm not joking. Like every wow. single person I know that has given birth in the last like four years has a traumatic birth story. And I just like, when we came in and it was like, oh, Faber's pregnant. I was like, sure, of course. But then, like, we got this whole weird side plot about, like, mother mortality, which we 
kind of already knew from the previous books. Like they discussed how the mothers would die often. Yeah. Um, and then like the whole thing about like why the birth would be difficult. And it just felt like, I mean, and maybe, maybe Sarah J. Moss also had a difficult birth. I don't know. She, she does did. have a baby. She did. Okay. Yeah. She so, had an emergency cesarean. So maybe she's working <laughs> through that. And I was just like, Oh, I have to like go tell like like I my bestie. I literally have to tell her when there's babies in books right now because she does not want to read it, mm-hmm. or when there's surprise, you know, magic pregnancy, surprise pregnancy, or miscarriage, you know, any of that because yeah. you never get those heads up are never there. Yeah, which is really like disheartening, kind mm-hmm. of because I feel like we're we're ignoring a very serious. Uh, mother mortality and birthing issue we have going on in our country i don't know but like yeah. I, I don't have kids so yeah <laughs> and i never plan on having them so i never like <laughs> one of my fears is pregnancy and like all of that those uh traumas i've had told to me yeah if that makes sense yeah um in which that make me go yeah i think i'm good on my decision <laughs> like i'll hold everybody else's babies and i'll be good over here but I just, I don't know. I was stunned, like literally just stunned at how much of it was in there. And it felt, but it felt like accurate, if that yeah. makes sense in a way. Yeah. Like it felt realistic-ish to the real world. Yeah. Even though we're in a fantasy world. I, I don't feel like we're in that much of a fantasy world in these books really. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. But, a lot of the real yeah. world leaks into it. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, I have two kids and mm-hmm. I had a tr- pretty traumatic birth with my first and dealt with PTSD symptoms for a while after. And um, so it was interesting to me because I've seen some people who were angry about it, about it being in there and felt like it shouldn't have been. I had a really different experience. I like I felt very moved by the fact that she did have it in a in a mainstream book on page where it wasn't the whole plot. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we often don't talk about things like miscarriage and infertility and traumatic birth and it is like you said super common. I know so many women who've experienced those things and I have a friend also who I was like, "Hey, I know you're reading this book. Heads up, you might want to just prepare yourself this yeah is, uh... and it's just like yeah I mean it's, I thought like I felt it was well done I just didn't expect it and I was just yeah. like oh man I'm like now and they, she was so excited for this book and I was like oh I hope she can still she read it and she was fine but I yeah. was like really nervous like yeah you need to know like I was like check my content warnings before you go in I was mm-hmm. like it's vague so you know but yeah I, I get why some people were bad but I also think like we're older than some of the readership for this, right? So, like, yeah. within our age group and our demographic, we're going to know more people who have had children mm-hmm. than if you're, like, 20, right? most likely. So right. I think that also gives it more levity and, like, realism, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So I, I thought, to me, it made a lot of sense because I feel like this entire book is really about the trauma women experience, and mm-hmm. I think that's just another form of it. I'm sure it was cathartic for her, too, because she did – I know she did have a, a an emergency cesarean with her, her kid, and I'm sure, you know, that got written in partly – I, I would imagine processing that. So I just think mm-hmm. it's interesting. There's been really intense responses on both sides to it, but I appreciated having it there. Like, yeah, I don't it know. It felt well handled, it, to I, me, I, at the very least. Yeah. I mean, I thought so. the key, People right? Disagree, like, but, yeah. If it was, if it felt like, I don't know, shoehorned in for full plot, like. Right. Or like, if it was its own novella, like, that would, I would be like, no. Please no. No, yeah. I don't want to read that. Well, and I kind of saw it coming the more – because we got so much stuff about the high-risk pregnancy Pharaoh was having that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is where it's going. And, we, you know, for those who've read the whole Throne of Glass series, we maybe should have also known this was going to be a subplot because in spoilers for (laughs) Kingdom of Ash, um, we see Pharaoh – they're in parallel dimensions, guys. Like these, in case you didn't know, her worlds all exist. Her book, her series, all exist in parallel dimensions. And so, in Kingdom of Ash, there is a moment where um, we see from afar Feyre and Reese on a hill, and Feyre is visibly pregnant. So, like, if you read Kingdom of Ash, mm-hmm. you would have known that, like, 
there was going to be a pregnancy plot. <laughs> I remember when that happened and everyone was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you're giving me flashbacks when Nikki Moon of Ash came out. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. We're all parallel. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what kind of crossovers we get now with the, the Crescent City series. I have a friend who is theorizing that a character we don't know much about in House of um, House of Earth and Blood is actually Amran, and I'm like, maybe I guess we'll see. So that, that would be, be that, that would be, really be cool. very interesting. So we'll see. I but would be um, very here for that. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's been controversial. There's there's also people I'm seeing who didn't like the fact that they were magically saved. But I'm like, what did you want? Did you want them to die? I did not <laughs> like. Just, I don't understand. I've seen a lot of interesting criticism overall, I think, yeah. for this book. More than I expected. Really? I okay. There's always so much criticism of her books, though. Listen, though, I just thought that, like, we were at the point that people who don't like her books aren't going to pick them up. You would think. But that's not what <laughs> I mean. <sighs> Again, I had too much faith. Too much faith on my part. I know. I know. Too much yeah. faith. Um. Because, yeah, I was just like, oh, you know, they just won't pick them up. Like, it's fine. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know why I continue to be surprised that people are critical of her after yeah. how many books. Yeah, it's interesting to me. It's interesting because she, I mean, she does have a very specific style of writing that some mm -hmm. people find really irritating. I don't. It doesn't bother me. I like it. I think it's charming and cozy. But if you don't like her style of writing, no new book she puts out is going to make you like her. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And I think a lot of people, too, were just mad that it's Nesta, I felt like, before they fully read it. And I was just like... I hate that, though. Like, can can we not hate on prickly, angry women? Like, can you know? <laughs> it's the dream, Bethany. It's the dream. You have no idea. Maybe one day. <laughs> one day we will get there, but... Uh, I don't know when that day is. Oh my god. Yeah. I Because I find people like Nesta more relatable where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would be angry and lashing out also if I was in that scenario. I think the most valid criticism I saw was the fact that like it was just her gambling and all the stuff that threw it over the edge and not like them being like, you need help. Let's get you help. I was like, but also... <sighs> I don't feel like she would have just came otherwise, if that makes sense, if they didn't, like, cut her off and then pull her in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, no. Like, she, I mean, you. She, she, I'm not doing this. No, she absolutely wouldn't have. I mean, they had to give her kind of an ultimatum. Well, it's an intervention is what it is. I mean, this is basically a version of putting her and getting her into rehab. Yeah. Basically. I mean, because I mean, that's it's, how I read it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like fey rehab. <laughs> just punch it out. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... I loved it. Okay, so obviously the other thing that we're hearing a lot about, and I don't know, part of me just finds it silly, but a lot of people are talking about how steamy this book is. So, <laughs> which, guys, okay, can I, I, let me just say, like, clearly Sarah J. Mass is pivoting to write adult romance. Yes. And the best decision ever to be made. It's what she's wanted to do. I'm glad she's just doing it. And like for the length of the book, for an adult romance, it is not an unusual amount of sex. <laughs> it was not steamy enough for the length of the book. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I was fine but with it. But like the people who are like, oh my God, it's so much sex. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, <sighs> I mean... <laughs> I guess there's like face sitting, so maybe that that feels like a lot. <laughs> I mean, she's also like thoroughly using, you know, she's she's not using uh, al what 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 is what is the word I'm looking um, for? Is it allegory? It's not no. allegory. That's no, not the right allegory. word. Um, That's the word that I'm pulling, of course. Oh gosh. Euphemisms? Euphemisms. Thank you. Yes. There She's not using euphemisms for genitals any longer. Yeah. It's so... <laughs> um, and, it, and, you know, instead of the shock factor and the sex scene being like that they were on a table covered with paint or they were flying, it's like, oh, we're going to like do it in the hallway or from behind. Like, it's like more normal it romance was... book stuff. <laughs> Again, I felt like the most extreme was the face scene. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I have to come on your the podcast and be like, so there was that. Because like, I mean, yeah. You know, like there, there. I felt like there was that, and otherwise, it felt pretty like chill. Yeah. I, I mean, look, am I the? Ju- I can't be the judge of like level of heat though, because like I have read Krampus romances. Yeah, and, you read like, some like way out there stuff. Like I, I am like, what is the line? I'm gonna go over it. <laughs> just, just to see like what's there, and then yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I'm, like, I, I might, like, step a toe in something that is, like, well within other people's lines, to, and I'm, like, mm, eh, it's a little far for me. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm com- but I was thoroughly comfortable with this. Like, this was this, fine. This, I mean, I thought it was good. I, I, yeah. I honestly am just so happy she's embracing adults. Yes. And, and we're not towing this weird line where I have to explain to people that this book is shelved in YA, but it is not YA. Yeah. And it is not appropriate for your young teen, maybe maybe your older teen, depending. There's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts there yeah, yeah. as far as what conversations you've had with them and where they're at in their life. Right. I could have read this when I was 16 or 17. Don't think every kid could have, <laughs> if that makes sense. I could not have read this when I was 16 or 17. We had a very open dialogue in my house yeah. in a good way around that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like it would have been a big deal. Yeah. Uh, mind you, my mom also read like Flame in the Flower at 13. So <laughs> she was just like, read books. Fine. I Whatever. She would not have minded. But yeah, I just think it was nice to see her fully go for it. Yeah. Instead of like everyone being like, was it chapter 55? Is that the yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, just thought was kind of dumb, honestly. Same. I was just like, okay. I was like, like okay, there's okay, paint. Y'all. Woo! <laughs> like, let me tell you about the weird things I've read. Because <laughs> I'm over here, like, oh, it's just paint. Okay, right. Yeah, I, I, I think what I appreciated too about the sex scenes in this is, to me, it felt like it made sense for the characters. I mean, Absolutely. And um, you know, like it's more aggressive for most of it, which makes sense because Nest is really angry, and this is part of how she's working that out. Um, but then to me, it also made it such a big emotional impact when they finally like make love for the first time after mm-hmm. they finally admit their feelings for each other. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Cause it's like, more I, than just no, I agree. It was, it was like perfectly done. Cause it was like a slow build of them, like fully coming together. Mm-hmm. And like, it was definitely like all the, pretty much all the acts. I mean, we didn't like do butt stuff, which is fine, but like, you know, she, they worked their ways through your general acts of like sex mm-hmm. and like. That was nice and it was well done. Yeah. And you it wasn't like, I don't know. It just it, it was nice to read. I was like, this yeah. is enjoyable. This is this is what I want out of Sarah J. Moss. Yeah. Like when she write has like when she writes sex scenes. Yeah. Now, if you read this and thought it was steamy, maybe maybe <laughs> cautiously venture into romance. <laughs> like full blown. But yeah. But but I mean, it's clear that she's pivoting and there's a reason that they're setting her up in events next to authors like J.R. Ward and Cressley Cole. Like, this is the direction she's going. Um, And I love it. I'm so excited. Same. You know what's funny? She said that she wrote and then cut and didn't even send to her editor a uh, menage scene. Yeah, I got messaged from people after I finished the book asking if it was in there, and I said no. No, but there is that moment of her like imagining what if Asriel joined them. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering. I think I don't know that that would have worked. No, it wouldn't have because the Fey guys—they're so possessive. Yeah, I I don't like the Fey guys are not—they're not—they're not not Minaj guys. Like they're—they're—they're one and done. Like Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah, two people. They yeah. cannot share. <laughs> I just, yeah, I was like, that would have been weird. Yeah, it wouldn't. Now, it wouldn't if have she had kept that in and it made the final book and everyone was like freaking out about how steamy it was, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. Y'all got this one. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Jay Kristoff for The Last Never Night book as a pre-order perk released the scene, the menage scene that had been cut. That's really what she should have done. I mean, oh, I wish. I wish. I can't wait. I there's got to be like fan fiction of it already. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like 100%. there's got to be fan fiction of the Minaj scene, and I'm like sure that's just that makes me so happy. Yeah. 
That's so funny. No, I thought it was, I thought it was good. It was well done. I just, yeah, you know what's funny is I'm getting a lot of comments on my review of this of people saying, you know, I didn't think I was going to read this, but now you're making me want to try it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, and even somebody who was saying that the online vitriol towards Sarah J. Mass had made them not try to pick up her books and then finally did. And they were like, I don't, I'm so sad that I was not reading her I... for so long. Literally, like the other day my mom asked me she's like do you have those books and I was like yeah they're on my audible like go log in and go grab them because she was like I don't know why I have read them I was like read them she's like you're gonna love them you're gonna go on a great adventure <laughs> and I'm like waiting now for her to be like I did it I read them all and I'm gonna be like yeah I don't, I just, I don't know how you missed it I mean I, I just fun. I, I really truly I, I know people have criticism for lack of representation in her books mm -hmm. as far as like uh race I guess yeah. Casting is my understanding. And queerness is not and always queerness, done super well. Yeah, and I get that. But if she's not comfortable writing it, mm -hmm. it's better to not write it yeah. than to force it. And I mean, the I, mental health stuff yeah. is just like, I've not read PTSD rep like this, I think. It's really good. Ever. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think even with that stuff, it's getting better. You didn't, I think, because I've read the House of Earth and Blood mm -hmm. and that it's clear that she tried really hard to do a better job of including characters of color and people still aren't happy because they're never going to be happy with her books. So like she's trying um, and it's certainly not coming from a bad place with her either. It, it's mm -hmm. again, it's one of those things I've seen her on a lot of live streams and heard her talk and met her and she has very progressive ideas and politics. And so like, I think she's trying to figure out how to do the best she can as a straight white woman to like mm -hmm. not be harmful and figure out like, you know, and so, yeah, like, is there a lack of, is there less representation for sure? Um, but I do think it's improving somewhat. Yeah. And I, I think it's better to not include it and do less harm than to include it and do more harm yeah. at the end of the day. So yeah. yeah it's one of those criticisms that like I get it and I, I feel like sometimes I think it's that whole thing of like women really like female people presenting people really like this book and this author mm -hmm. in general and so we all must hate it like we must hate on it yeah because well she's very successful yeah, it's too popular she was, yeah. it's too you know centric of I can't even find a physical copy of the book anymore of what I can't find a physical copy of the book anywhere. I went to like five bookstores. None of them have it. Oh, of me. this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't pre-order it because I, I never pre-order books. I'm really I, I was so glad I did because originally I wasn't going to. And then I started reading it and I was like, I love this. I'm so glad I pre-ordered it. No, yeah. I went to Barnes and Nobles, Books and Millions, not a one in sight. Wow. Smaller bookstores. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. They, they, she's wildly successful, and yeah. I think trying to do a good job with what she has and promote things that are positive and has done a lot too, just in terms of giving to charity. And, like, I don't know, I think she gets a really bad, bad rap, and she's pretty private yeah. too, yeah. So, I think that maybe is part of it. Like, I think people don't see her. If you don't go to the lives, you mm -hmm. don't hear her from her, maybe. Yeah. As much. I mean, yeah. I know she shares on Instagram some, but. She does Instagram live streams sometimes. So I think that's the thing is like, if you catch her, she's great. And she'll bring on, you know, she'll do stuff with her husband. Mm -hmm. Or um, like I saw her do a live one time with Christina Lauren, which was fun. But yeah, she's she's definitely more private. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Okay, one of the things that reading this I realized I love about her writing is I think she does such a great job of writing these cozy kind of domestic scenes that break up the tension and the action. So, like, in this case, Nesta taking a bubble bath and eating chocolate cake and reading a romance novel or Nesta having a girl's night and, like, doing dumb magic stuff. And I love that. Like, I find it so Same. charming. And, well, it's real life. Like, yeah. that's what you're like when you have like a really crappy week, what do you do? 
personally, I usually take a bath and read a romance novel. Yeah, I love like, it. <laughs> I just felt like it just makes them so real and mm-hmm. like relatable in a way that we don't often see and much needed in a although I guess this is more like the other books were very plot driven mm-hmm. and this felt more character driven yeah which I like uh, I think she's better at that anyway I'm glad she's like lean I think her strengths lie in that was one of the relationships I saw people didn't like that there wasn't more plot and I was like mm-hmm. I didn't need a ton of plot <laughs> no but I will pretty much. I mean, I know I haven't read uh, House of Earth and Blood because you well, should I'm read like, it. It's really good. I'm just, like saving it. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, mm-hmm. I was like, I just kind of want to have one of her books there when I'm ready for it. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. and that ended up being the one because it's like the new series. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I want to read it. I want to read it. Don't get it's me wrong, good. but like, I do think she excels in that. Just enough plot. But all these small character moments that continue to engage you. Like when Lucian, 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 oh my gosh, my mouth does not want to say his name now. (laughs) Lucian, Lucian, there we go, shows up Mm -hmm. and is like looking for Elaine, like wants to make sure he sees her before he has to leave again and stuff. And I was like, I want their book. (laughs) Like every couple is like, I want their book. Yeah. Their book now too. Like how long do I have to wait? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be a while, obviously, but I, I also like this idea of moving more towards this companion novel thing where we're going to focus on a different character or a couple each time Yeah. instead of the trilogy of the one couple. I, I like that. As kind I of do, too. Setup. I was. Did you know this was a standalone, just one book for Nesta, or did you mm-hmm. not know yet? Okay. I knew, yeah. I had paid no attention. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, delightfully thrilled with it. I was like, oh, my gosh, we finished her story yes. in one book? Because yeah. I had a moment, I was like, oh, if this is three books, I'm going to be annoyed. Yeah. No, I think that's the plan is what it sounds like moving forward is to do standalone companion novels where each book follows a different couple. I mean, she is, she is she's just leaning into the romance side of things for that, which I think is great. Um, so now I think House of Earth and Blood, or like Crescent, the Crescent City series is now more of her larger scale mm-hmm. epic fantasy and it's it's fun i'm excited to see crossover with it um but yeah that has a lot of funny little moments too like silly domestic scenes and i agree like i think it makes the characters feel real and believable and it's so cozy and there are people who get so annoyed at some of this kind of stuff she does so i love it i I think as a romance reader sometimes when you read something that you're just like yeah perfect this is what i want Mm -hmm. like we want that like peek into the life with the drama on top sometimes too. But yep. like the little like dip into like, okay, here's what we're doing to manage stress. <laughs> yeah. Cause then I'm not stressed out that they're stressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we also talk about the house? Because the house is such a great character and I didn't put this in any of my reviews and I'm like, man, I thought about it and then I kept forgetting. <laughs> There's so much. Like, There's so much to talk about. In this when I said I was done. I was like, here we go. We got two, like, paragraph and another sentence. I'm done. There's too much in this book for yeah. me to, like, cover it all. Yeah. The house was amazing. Mm-hmm. I want it. It was so great. I loved it. And, like, the moment where it showed her its heart was so sweet. It's <laughs> like, precious. It's like you're getting emotional about an inanimate object, but it was so cute because it would like share romance novels with her. And I, I just thought it was great. It was like the first being she opened up to. Mm-hmm. It was really sweet. And I just, I like how it knew what she needed. Mm-hmm. I love, I love a, a slightly sentient home. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> like, not a creepy way. Like, I don't know. I mean, I like a creepy home too, like in a gothic. But this, well, I, this was okay, like a this was I a just cute want it in real life. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I want no, like this no. in real life. So like this is like the kind of the perfect level of sentient house. Fair. Mm-hmm. It's like a puppy kind of that reads books. I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was fun to um, say on her reading romance novels in this book that you could tell like Sarah J. Moss reads romance novels and yeah. loves them. And it's like kind of giving love to the the genre, yeah. which I think is just fun. I liked it so much. It's nice. And I was here for all the Valkyrie stuff. 
that I thought was cool. I mean, we talked a little bit about the training, but mm-hmm. I when when I liked the connections too of like the um, the priestess who had done the re well, it was funny, right? Because she had also done research about how there were parallel worlds, which was like yeah. a nice little Easter egg, and then doing research on the Valkyries, and I was like, oh, maybe this is the solution, and then it was the solution. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I love that they were like. Um just the Valkyrie setup in general. I was like, this is great. Mm -hmm. We're getting expansion into the like army forces, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And that they're like proving that they can do it too. Mm -hmm. It's not just a boys game. Yep. And then, yeah, like the whole thing with the blood rights, I feel like there, it's so funny. Like I, I also see people saying, talking about that and saying like, oh, it's so not believable that these women who'd only been training for like a few months could actually like. But they're like fairies too. Like they're all like semi-magical beings. I mean, so why not? They're like, these men have been training their whole lives. And I'm like, yeah, but women are great. (laughs) They're men. So who cares? Like, I, yeah. I don't, I see, I didn't find it that unbelievable because I just felt like she had her fey beingness, right, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it just made, I don't know, it worked. Like, it was a I good so. plot driver. I thought for so. The end. I, I liked it. We're obviously not the people to come no. to to be really critical. We're not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, you're going to have to go I elsewhere like if you want, like, a, I'm like, I know I've seen this criticism. I just was not bothered by it. I mean, I think that's usually my feeling with Sarah J. Maas, even with the val, like some criticisms, I'm like, I don't even think it's valid, but there's plenty of criticisms. I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. I just wasn't bothered by it. I thought it was charming. It worked for me. Like, I can see why you feel that way, but I didn't. Like, as a reader, you have to know if you're, like, character or plot-driven to an extent or what you're in the mood for. Right. Like, because I vary wildly if I want plot or character driven <laughs> stories but like romance generally is mostly character driven i would say mm-hmm. and if you if you don't like that and you know that this book is that then don't read it no seriously <laughs> like, that's what i don't get no well if you're looking for an epic fantasy book like sarah j Ma- mass is not really the author for you if you like fantasy romance she's great she's really good at more mm-hmm. character driven stuff and like in my opinion i don't know people have different feelings on this but i i always feel like the books where she tries really hard to push the plot and to do a lot of action i, I like those usually like end up being the last one um, like kingdom of ash <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm like, I I, I care less and I'm like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, it's fine. That's another battle scene. Like, I don't know. I just, I like, I don't think that's really where her strength that's lies. That's her strong suit. No. Although she does do a pretty, I mean, you haven't read it yet, but she does do a pretty good job in House of Earth and Blood. There is a pretty epic action-packed ending and with like twists and turns and stuff. And she, she actually did do a pretty good job with that, but it's, it's less big battles as much yeah. as other, other things. So. I mean, it was a lot at yeah. the end of Kingdom of Ash and that even um, Wings and Ruin was a lot yeah. happening and it felt so long. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what else to call it. Like, I, you know, it's just, it was, whew. It was like Kingdom of Ash. I was like, mm-hmm. I knew, like, I knew she had said, like, we were going to get an HEA and, like, mm-hmm. that's her thing. Like, she's not going to not give us an HEA. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to get through this. <laughs> I'm going to get through this. But also, it was so just dragged out. So I appreciated yeah. that this was like, okay, let's quickly do the blood right. Okay, we're done. It was perfect. And then it was let's great. have our other drama and then yep. we're done. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Like, yes, let's please focus more on the internal lives of the characters <laughs> than on the action and the fighting. Like, that makes me happy. And it doesn't make every reader happy, but it, it worked for me. Also, like, other funny things I think she does that I could see being irritating for people. I got a giggle out of the um, what, winter solstice gifts that Nesta got. <laughs> she basically gets the magical equivalent of a reading light and an iPod. <laughs> you're right. I was like, wait, what did she get? No, you're, yeah, it was perfect. Well, nobody, I mean, let's be real. We don't spend the first three books getting to know Nesta in any capacity, but mm-hmm. beyond her, like, her and Elaine seeming like spoiled brats, right? Like, right. And that's the point. Like, if you're going to read 
a Beauty and the Beast-esque retelling, and there's two sisters that she has, like, they're not going to be likable, generally speaking. No. I've read very few in which the siblings are likable because that's part of the plot, and that's why, like, she ends up with the Beast. Right. And, I mean, it's just... There's no, there's no time focused on either of them. Like really, like Not like much. a droplet, you know, over the course of three books. So, yeah. Why, why would anyone know it's a gift? <laughs> well, I just thought it was funny that it was like we're gonna take these like real world gifts and make a semi magical version of them. Like, I that's just thought it was funny. Though, Cause I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's like an iPod. Okay. Yeah. And then that's, a, that's, yeah. All right. Yep. Cool. I thought it was light. Yeah. Also, I love the cool and it clips on her head, you know? Yeah. I was like, that'd be hilarious. It was like the headband. That would be funny. She'd retcon that in. Well, and like, we do get to know more about Nesta in this book. Like, she secretly is amazing at dancing and has this, like, mm-hmm. dancing with the stars type scene, which yes. I just cracked me up, too. That was so good. <laughs> that was fun. I was really worried, though, that the, whatever his name was, I can't think of it now, but the creepy dude that wanted to marry her mm-hmm. was gonna, like, try to assault her or something. I was like, oh, I no. was, too. I had yeah. a very, like, heart-in-my-throat moment of, like, please no. Can yeah. we not? She yeah. has suffered enough. I'm she so glad that it did not go that direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a same moment. I was like, I don't I don't need the secondary plot with this. Like, the baby's enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. Just give me the baby's secondary plot. I don't need this other, like, potential love interest situation. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, okay, so what do you think the next book is going to be? So what's funny is I know in a stream, Sarah J. Mass said, when we finished the book, it would be obvious who the next book was going to be about. I don't think it is. Wait, she, she really, she really said it would be obvious? Because I yeah. have no idea. Uh, right? I think in her head, she thinks it's obvious, but I don't think it actually is. Well, I mean, I guess like because it this could is be the a problem. few people. It's either Azriel, mm-hmm. but that isn't—he's like barely in this book. Yeah, it could like. be Elaine. I think it might be Elaine. Yeah, that would make the most sense. I hope she gets more interesting. Like, I—I'm curious though. Like, I'm curious to see how she turns her into a more interesting character because, like, she just hasn't done much. I mean, Elaine's just like there. Yeah, she's just she's in her garden. Like, hey, like, hey, I've got dirt. I'm gonna garden now. See you later. I'm not gonna talk to anyone. She's just like I'm. I'm here in the background, occasionally saying hi, and then walking away. Yeah, Yeah. she is an extra. Mm -hmm. Oh, which reminds me, I think it's so funny. You know, the scene where they're walking into the ball, and the three sisters are all wearing like black dresses Mm -hmm. and I thought the descriptions of them was so interesting because you have Feyre wearing what's described as something similar to when she had been in the night court before which means it was Mm -hmm. like super scandalous except she's super pregnant which I'm like hey rock it like you just go like why not and then Elaine is wearing something very modest because Mm -hmm. she doesn't isn't comfortable um, which I thought was interesting. And then seeing Nesta kind of get a little bit more dressed up. Yeah, I liked that part. I thought yeah. it was interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, I it sounds so mean. I feel like a, I'm not here for Elaine, let's be honest. I'm there to watch Lucian and her, like, be adorable. But, like, you know, okay. I guess. I mean, I, I think. I don't know. We'll see. I'm curious to see what she does with it because I don't. I don't know that I. Other than a Court of Frost and Starlight, I have never disliked a Sarah J. Mass book. Yeah, same. I. I mean, I think people are gonna riot if it's not Azriel to an extent because everyone is like, a lot of people I know were like are dying for his book. Yeah, I had heard something because because I know one of the special editions has an extra chapter about him and people were saying they hated him after it. I didn't get that one. I got the Feyre and Reese extra chap- extra chapter in mine. So I have not read that and I don't know what happens in it, but I something. 
Well, I was hoping to walk into the store and open it at Books a Million and read it, and then go to Barnes Noble and open it and read it, but they didn't have any. That is unfortunate. Because <laughs> that was literally my plan. I was like, well, how am I to read? But I was like, I'm just going to go to both stores and read them. Like, it's fine. I have both mm-hmm. by me. Read them, and then I'll know what happened. But now I'm kind of like, maybe I don't want to read the bonus chapter thing after the comments I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that one wasn't great. I think this one was fine. I'm trying to remember, like, what even, it wasn't that, it was fine. Like, I read the one. I feel like it's fine. It's whatever. I don't even remember it. Like, I don't even remember, like, what. Oh, yeah. I think they're they're talking about, like, Elaine, like, stifle, that she stifles Elaine and she finally showed some teeth and then it's, like, you know, her and Reese having some so... sexy moments. Like, that's pretty much so maybe it is her book then maybe could be who's in the back of the books a million one is it just Azrael's chapter i don't know i haven't read it that's i'm sure we need to like find spoilers for the Azrael chapter hold on let me google this okay all right hold on i found a website okay i found a tumblr let me rephrase that Like, we're going to help out all the people who want the spoilers without buying all the books. It's just like... Asriel giving a gift to Elaine. I found I found shots of it. I just found it. <laughs> Here you go. I said it in this little chat. Uh, it's 11 pages and it, it is Asriel. Hmm. Hmm. Wait. Are they trying to ship her and him together? Oh, yeah. But Lucin, like, that's who it has to be. Really? I mean, I thought so. Yeah. This has to be the next one. Yeah, it's got to be Asriel and Elaine. That's what it's... Okay, so wow. you heard it here, Wait, wait, wait. What? Okay, so Nesta got an iPod Bluetooth speaker situation. Yeah. Do you want to know what Elaine got? What? two bean-shaped fabric blobs to put in her ears and block any sound. <laughs> she got so, earplugs. earplugs. Or AirPods. Happy, solst- happy solstice. <laughs> That's hilarious. I just was like, wait a minute. What? Lucian is her mate, but I think they're going to have her and Azrael together? Is that what's happening which i kind of i mean that is interesting right because a lot of people are not loving um the idea that the mates are a forced thing or that they can't like choose differently so i do think that could be an interesting story actually i mean if this becomes a throuple i'm fine with it i just want him to be happy <laughs> the poor man has i'm sure they'll off. find another way for him to be happy though i don't know I know. This is interesting. This is not what I expected. Okay, I have I I think I have a feeling on the vibe this is giving me. I see why people are saying they hate Azrael after this. I don't He is so full of self-hatred. Yeah. I see why everyone hates him. Oh boy, it just got really bad. <laughs> Hold on. What? This is a choice. Interesting. Okay, this is really interesting. Huh. Okay, I finished it. Did you? I don't know. I am on the last page. Okay. This will be something juicy I... to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad I fa- I'm glad my Googling was I know. Bad. I'm very glad you found it. Okay, so for anybody who hasn't read it, this is the extra chapter in the Books A Million edition of Court of Silver Flames about Azrael giving a winter solstice gift to Elaine, who is the mate of Lucian, but she doesn't want anything to do with him. She's attracted to Azrael, and Azrael is into her, and he tries to kiss her, and Reese is like, no, stay away from her. And then he goes and secretly leaves a necklace for Gwyn, who is one of the friends of Nesta, who, like, was sexually assaulted, and he saved Mm -hmm. her and stuff. So, this is interesting. Like, is this going to be a Azrael and the lane or is this like Azrael and Gwyn somehow end up together after a lot of like crazy stuff happens I don't I don't know I 
do you know what it read like this is a very like deep cut for anyone who's read like some of the priest romances i asriel reads like one of the guys that's like like priest by sierra simone like very torn in his own like system of beliefs and like what it should or shouldn't be like the way in which he's like he doesn't want to touch elaine because like he's so damaged Mm -hmm. it's very weird Mm-hmm. This very weird vibe. I was like, "What were you reading when you wrote this, Sarah?" I'm like, please, were you were you reading Priest by Sierra Simone? Because that is the vibe I got from this, or like Sinner as well. Like very t- dark taboo. Like it, it just gives off that taboo vibe, yeah. which in I a not I, expected way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I feel like she's kind of she's. It seems like she's kind of ready to dive into things that she maybe didn't feel like she could do before. Mm-hmm. so i would disagree yeah it's definitely there, but it's definitely there in that one that feels like yeah. very taboo yeah i am really curious to see where they're gonna take that it's funny that people are saying they hate him after it did they hate him because he tried to kiss elaine or do they hate him because of gwen I don't leaving know. her a gift yeah because because is he is he is he too timing here well, and Gwen has been through so much that, like, I would definitely not want to see her get hurt. Mm-hmm. So I could see that. I don't know. That's interesting. Okay, so what's your prediction of what we're going to get? Clearly, it's probably going to be something with Azrael. I think it's got to be Azrael, but yeah. I don't. I don't know who he's going to be with. Like, is she going to let the mating thing be a choice? Or not. I don't think so. I mean, because, like, it's a trope, right? Like, yeah. in the series, it's a trope in the series. It, it's, yeah. I love the trope Faded Mates, like, personally. Like, mm-hmm. I love it because I just think it's so – it can be done really, really well. It mm-hmm. can be done really badly. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just – it's very convenient. <laughs> and, yeah, I think I think it's going to be him and Gwen. Hmm. And if it's not his book, it's Elaine and Lucian falling in love with each other and him in the background, like, crying <laughs> through a window, like, while it rains. I actually think what could be more interesting, though, is if it's Azrael's book and he leads Elaine on before realizing Gwen is his mate and Elaine gets pissed off and becomes more interesting before she eventually ends up like I think that could be a really interesting larger plot arc absolutely I mean I think that would make the most sense obviously I just love the idea of him standing outside in the rain crying (laughs) (laughs) he better he better show that he deserves Gwen though because she deserves like the best I think that's my like concern yeah here is he is a very broken character yeah like nesta was broken and angry but like Azrael's not even angry he's just literally like defeated yeah i feel like to an extent if that makes sense like he just i don't he doesn't need redeemed necessarily he's just like so down about everything <laughs> and like sad he's just the saddest boy yeah that ever did and i'm like i don't i don't know I would like to see him happy. Yeah. I'm, what does that I'm, journey look like? I don't know. Well, you know, maybe it's singing with Gwen. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I'm Maybe. I mean, well, I'm glad I, I found it. I did actually think it was kind of interesting that we had the whole scene in here of Nesta going to semi-religious services um and finding like some use out of that and Gwen is a priestess who Mm -hmm. does like this religious so I think that's that could be well and especially with what you were saying about the religious side of things it could be an interesting plot arc that way of like I I don't know we're gonna get into some weird Jesus image I mean maybe I don't know I I wonder that'll be interesting because I will be like wait what um but yeah i don't know like something about that that chapter to me read very like when i've read some of the taboo priest religious books with more religious like tabooness in them i guess well i mean she could be setting the stage for it because we had i mean like i said gwen is in the religious 
priestess choir and we had a whole semi-religious mm-hmm. service scene with Nesta in this book. So like it definitely could be a setup for doing a book that kind of explores that. that. I was to tell you now, I cannot wait to read everyone's reviews about how much <laughs> I'm here for it. I like. I think weird, it could be interesting. I mean, I like weird taboo, so yeah. I'm here for it. But I just know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, I hope it'll be interesting. It's okay. All right, so there, you, there you go, guys. That is our our prediction of what we're getting next. It's going to be a ride. It's going to be a few years before we know if we're right. But um, yeah, this was fun. Thank you for joining this me. Talk about how long I have to wait. <laughs> You'll just have to start reading the Crescent City series is what it is. I will. I will. Because I think the next one's supposed to come out soon. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, again, thank you, everybody. This has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and I'm your host, Bethany. You can follow us on Twitter at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can also find me on YouTube at Beautifully Bookish Bethany talking about even more bookish things. The next episode will be available in two weeks, and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.